0: Now that we've shut down the Patreon and we're no longer putting out new episodes over there, we wanted to put some of the old episodes out here on the free feed. But due to how old some of them are, we wanted to provide a little bit of context before each episode. So this episode was recorded on September 28th. 2021 after john and i took a short break during the patreon and it is once again answering questions from our facebook group if you'd like your questions answered on the podcast simply join the dropship tribe by searching dropship tribe on facebook and give us your questions and we'll happily answer some of them on the podcast After two months off, uh and also a botched recording. We're we're gonna redo the first uh 10 minutes of this episode because Ben didn't hit record. We're back. Uh a little rusty apparently. Jesus.
1: (laughs) What the fuck is going on? Literally just pause, John. I'm like, guess what, John? I just put all my energy into the start of that show, Ben, and now I'm flat, man. Yeah, you've (laughs) you've 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 killed the vibe, man. (laughs) Oh we had so much
0: good stuff in there. Uh, anyway two months uh we haven't seen you two months i am definitely rusty can't even hit record uh hopefully this sounds great uh who knows if we'll have issues there but um we're back yeah it wasn't we weren't intending to be gone for two months um but here we are
1: yeah we're back had a break uh and ben's right we didn't uh wasn't we were probably intending on having a, sh- a short break but um you know it's taking this bit of time to kind of work through what we're actually gonna be doing on the podcast front and uh we've sort of settled a lot of that now so we're, we're going to be moving forward again making this more of a, a bit more of a regular thing than it's been the last couple of months of course um and yeah so you're going to see us we'll have a new uh free uh podcast which you know in the beginning is going to cover a lot of really basic stuff about high ticket drop shipping so it's just certainly different to the, the level of depth that we've been going into here on this on this show that you've all been listening to um but the good news is that we are going to keep this one going as well um and uh doing some of the some of the stuff that we've been doing uh, going into a level of detail and and uh you know helping you out more directly than we will be doing on that um that uh, free facing podcast but you know whenever that one comes out as well make sure you subscribe to it anyway show it some love we'd appreciate that um and I think it's worth saying as well that um, currently we host this podcast uh, through Patreon um, that at some point in the not too distant future, we'll be switching over um, and we'll be hosting it through our um, the same platform that we, we run Dropship Breakthrough from. So there will be a time where you'll need to switch over. We'll give you plenty of notice and plenty of time to do that so you don't miss anything, um, but just keep an eye out uh, for that happening in probably the next couple of weeks or starting to happen in the next couple of weeks. But, uh, today we're back. Uh, Ben put out a call last week for some questions and answers for a Q and a episode. So that's what we're doing today. We meant to do it last week. Um, but we uh, both got called away at uh, the last minute by our wives to do other things (laughs) almost at the same time. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, we couldn't pull it off last week, but here we are. Um, and, uh, We're going to dive into some questions today. So thanks to everybody who chucked the question into the Facebook group. Uh, First question up is, of course, from Mr. Joe. Uh, Thanks for the question, Joe. Long-time listener. Uh, And that question is, when doing a product comparison article for product A versus product B, how do you approach it if you are not a vendor for one of the brands? There's a well-respected brand in my niche that I'm currently not a vendor for, but they have some direct competition products for items I do sell. The items are of equal quality in reality. Do you give an unbiased comparison, firstly, and then do you provide, say, an Amazon affiliate link if, when all is said and done, the reader decides on the product that you don't sell? So there's a few questions in here. Um, firstly, you know, do you do these uh, comparison articles for, um, you know? that include products that you don't sell on your site or that you can't sell for some reason, then do you make an unbiased one? And, uh, do you, do you do do an affiliate thing? So Ben, I know you've, uh, done some of this stuff in the past. What's, what's your take on that?
0: Yeah. I hope, uh, I hope Brian Angel someday listens to these. I know he's traveling the country in his camper with his kids and it looks glorious. Uh, so good for him, but Brian. Brian and I have, uh, somewhat experienced this. So we used to run uh, his standing desk store together. And if you do any keyword research around standing desk, you'll see that VeraDesk, which is a, another brand is actually searched more than the term standing desk. So in an ideal world, we rank for Veridesk, right? In a more ideal world, we sell Veridesk. That wasn't going to happen. They were trying to be a a DTC darling. Uh, Who knows if they were even profitable in that venture, but we needed to rank for them. So upon doing some keyword research, uh, I spotted one of our competitors who wrote an article that said seven reasons to never buy a Veridesk. And it ranked like four or five or six, somewhere in that range on page one for Veridesk, which shitty for them, uh, but good for that brand. And so that got Brian and I's wheel spinning of what, what can we do here? First off, we had to take, you know, to your do you give an unbiased comparison question. We we need to take a step back and say how do we actually feel about Verdes versus some of the other brands we carry? Not not we can't sell Verdes and we can sell FlexiSpot, so we should shit all over Verdes and build up FlexiSpot. That's not how we were looking at it. Uh we wanted to give an unbiased comparison, but also let people know that we thought Verdes, you know, uh skimped a little bit on some of their product development that they cut some corners. And we thought some of the other brands we carry didn't. So we, the idea that we actually never implemented, and maybe Brian has at this point, we haven't been partners for a little while uh, was to create a seven things you should consider when buying a Veritas article, not directly call them out. Although I'm sure that got hella click through rate for the other brand. Um, and then write some things about Veritas, make that our big pillar page article and use the Veritas versus FlexiSpot, spot, Veritas versus brand B Veritas versus brand C that we did carry as some supporting content, as well as go even deeper, uh, and, and go product A versus product B if we can get that deep. Uh, so that was our plan. And then to answer your second question, we were not going to provide an Amazon affiliate link, and here's why, if you sign up for Amazon's affiliate program and they see you posting reviews for anything, anything at all on your site, which God willing, you're going to get reviews and you're going to talk about them. Uh, they'll cancel you immediately. So it's not even worth signing up for an Amazon affiliate link. Cause they're, they're going to shut you down for, um, not doing things the way they would like you to do them and using their reviews. Uh, so yeah, we never provide an Amazon affiliate link. If you wanted to work directly with that brand, perhaps they'd set something up with you. Maybe that's your window to, uh, get on board with that brand. If it is a brand you can possibly get on board. Uh, but yeah, hopefully that answers your question. John, do you have any experience here?
1: Hey, it's John here. I just want to take a really quick break from the episode to let you know about something exciting that we've got happening over at Dropship Breakthrough. Now, one of the first questions that anyone looking to get into high-ticket dropshipping asks is What am I gonna sell? What's my products gonna be? What are the profitable products gonna be that I'm gonna build a business around? And it's one of things that people worry about the most that they're gonna get that wrong. And that's fair enough. Picking the wrong products to sell is one of the biggest mistakes that people looking to start a dropshipping business make. So, what if I said we could fix that for you and solve that problem, answer that question for you in the next five days? Well, the answer is we absolutely can do that. So, I want to introduce you to you the Dropship Breakthrough 5-Day Challenge. And the five day challenge is basically like a mini workshop that, over the course of five days, is going to show you and help you find the profitable products that you can build. A high ticket drop shipping business around. So each day for five days, you're going to get a lesson or two to go through. And each of those videos together is going to show you the process that we've used and Ben and I have used, not just Ben and I, but over 400 of our students have used to find profitable high ticket products that are viable for the drop shipping business model. So you're going to get a lesson every day. You know, watch that lesson. And at the end of the five days, you'll know what you're going to sell. And I'm going to throw a few interesting bonuses in there as well. Now, the best part of this is you can join the challenge today for just $97. So a single investment of $97. And you're going to then know what you can build a business around with a super high level of confidence so that you can start your business and not have to worry about that maybe you've picked the wrong products and you're going to have to go back to scratch at some point. So all you need to do to join the Dropship Breakthrough 5-Day Challenge is head to Drop Breakthrough, That's dropshipbreakthrough.com forward slash 5, the number 5. You'll find the link below in the show notes. All you have to do is head there, sign up on that page, and you will be immediately and instantly into the 5-day challenge you can get started straight away. So head over there, join the challenge and once again it's backed as always by our 30-day money back guarantee. So if you take the challenge and you think it was rubbish, you don't you you couldn't identify any products or anything like that, you can request your money back and we'll hit you straight back up with that. So head on over. If you're looking to get started, if you've been sitting on the fence, if you've been worrying about finding the right products, head over, take the five-day challenge today at dropshipbreakthrough.com forward slash uh, five. Yeah, a little bit. Um, look, I mean, the first question for me is, you know, I mean, are you going to do those sort of product comparison articles? And you don't always need to, but certainly... I think it's worth thinking about if there is a brand like, like you mentioned in your example, Veridesk, which is a, you know, uh, kind of dominates that particular space. It's a brand that people are regularly looking for. Uh, and if they are, it's, and you're also selling some popular products in the space, then it's, you know, it's going to be a, 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 you know, a question that people are asking, you know, when, when they're, when they're going through their, their product, their, their research phase of their customer journey, they're going to be thinking about like, what's the best option for me here. And, you know, for a customer, sometimes it can be difficult to work that out, um, particularly if the products are more, you know, technical in nature as well. You know, it can be a bit of a real nightmare to sift through all of that and, and really make an informed decision. And so if you're going to help your customers in that way, I think that can actually be uh, and, and you're the business that does that in the best way that can actually lead to more sales for you, even if. um you know even if some of those people are buying somebody else's product and i think for for me look on the bias bit i think you definitely have to be unbiased um that's personal preference now i'm not going to say that like my personal preference is not to go negative in my marketing on other brands and competitors and things like that like overtly negative um so i think you can go that way though. And I'm not going to say that you, you that you can't make a lot of money being negative on or, or overly negative or biased on, on a particular thing. I'm not going to say that people have done that and people have made a lot of money doing that. Um, but once again, it just, I think it comes down to what you want your brand to be associated with, what you're personally comfortable with. For me, I don't like to, I like to tell my customers things the way it is and let them sort of make their own decision. Uh, at the end of the day, and, and I think as well, if you get into the bias front, particularly if you start publishing things that are borderline, maybe not even correct, you do open yourself up to some legal problems. So if you, if you, if you are trashing another brand and you don't get it right, they can sue you, quite frankly, particularly if they feel they've lost business because of it. Um, and it, it's, not a, it's not like a DCMA takedown thing, which you just take it off your site and put it away. This is different, Right. So, like, you just shouldn't make, like, if, you, if you're doing biased, like, coverage, you're making shit up, essentially, in my view. If you're the sort of person that likes to make shit up, then go nuts. Most people aren't, though, I don't think. And at the end of the day, customers can see through that. Um, there will be a lot of people out there who have already bought that product that may read your article and comment on it and say, well, you're full of shit. Um, this is wrong. I own that. And that's not actually right blah 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 like it just opens up not to mention the brand itself might say all right well we're just going to squash you buddy (laughs) you pissed us off um we're going to fire right back at you and then you open yourself up to a whole thing that it's just not worth it um it's not worth the headache it's not worth the time so I, i say be fair be even um and yeah i tend to take a bit of an abundance mindset like some customers are going to choose the other brand and that's okay they're getting what's best what's best for them if you've given an unbiased review um, and comparison then some people are going to read about the other product and say well that actually meets my needs a bit better that's a good thing you should be happy about that and some people are going to read about the product you sell and go well yeah hey that sounds great for me you've helped me out here so now i'm more likely to buy it off that particular product that you do sell off you rather than somewhere else that's and i think that's a good win that's a, that's a good outcome and that's the way that's the way that i would do it um, and yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with just talking it. Like, I don't think you need an affiliate link or anything like that. I, I mean, personally, like I say, my, my approach is have an abundance mindset, do it. Uh, and uh, yeah, like if you can get those those pages ranking as well, you know, if there's, if there's search terms around those comparison type search terms, then you're, you're going to win. Even if some people buy the other product, you're still going to be doing better than you were doing. I'm all for doing the right
0: thing is always the right thing. And so who's the most important person? It's your customers. It's the people you're serving. And so if, if, and I'll just use Veridesk, if they decide a Veridesk is best for them, then you did your job and you, you help them whether they bought from you or not, which is a core value of mine. Uh, and so, serve them and if they go buy a veritas great the ones that aren't going to buy a veritas and are definitely going to buy the one you're comparing they're almost all of them are going to buy from you because you provided them value so constantly serve your customers and and they're going to serve you in return just uh, if you have if you found volume there uh get it ranking uh and then worry about how that's monetizing in the back end i would give an unbiased review and do the right thing uh next question kind of relates to this actually john uh it is from gavin williams uh shout out to gav big fan of gavin williams uh how do you identify products from major brands that you can quote piggyback on quote i think that's how you guys described it in a pattern episode uh, of your podcast and generate sales from so i think what he's referencing here john if uh if you're not following along is like basically what we just talked about. Uh, so how do you identify products from major brands that you can piggyback on? When we, when we talked about piggybacking, really, I kind of talked about us being parasites. We're, we're leeches in the drop world, right? You're providing a lot of value. Of course you are, but you're not generating search interest. The brands themselves are generating the interest. If nobody knew who Verdesk or FlexiSpot was, then you're going to have to do marketing as if you were a brand yourself. You're going to have to go do interruption marketing and teach people what standing desks are and why they need one. Thankfully in this business model that we've all chosen, those brands have done it for us. So when I say, how do you identify major brands that you can piggyback on? Go look at search volume, go find brands, um, that have good search volume, go find brands that have raving cult like audiences on their social media channels. Um, those are the brands you're going to want to piggyback on. So again, simple exercise. Uh, Gavin is like, I know you have a, a brand where you sell multiple different types of niches within inside of one big niche. Go granular, go down to one of the, the lower level ones, find all the brands that are in there, and then go to Google and type in brand name space vs space and see what comes up, right? And when you can start seeing brand versus brand, those are going to be the more popular ones. You're going to have, uh, more search volume, more search keywords, more suggested keywords. If you're using keywords everywhere, uh, Chrome extension, and and you'll be, you'll start to see all the keywords that you can rank for. So basically what we just did, uh, for Joey cat, when we're talking about comparing product a versus product B, uh, that's helping support product a and product B and brand a and brand B, um, collection pages as well. And so uh, that, that's how you want to identify it. It's just simply look at the brands that are already on your list, find out who has the volume and, and go find those long tail keywords that nobody's serving for. Did you yep. catch all that, John?
1: I caught all of that and that made perfect sense. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, look at your keyword research. Uh, you know, sometimes if you've been, if you've already been running ads for a while, like Google Shopping ads and that sort of thing, you'll see, Often in your, uh, if if you're doing like a, a three campaign strategy that, that we use, you'll see in your generic campaign often that uh, you know there's brand names that keep popping up that your ads keep getting served for that you might have you know you might want to exclude or something like that. I mean those are brands that people are searching for that Google thinks are relevant to your products, so that can give you some ideas as well. Um, if you if you keep seeing the same names pop up in in your search term report that you might be thinking about excluding that tells you that they're brands that people are actually looking for, who are looking for your type of product. Um, and so not everybody gets that, but I, I see it quite frequently. So, you know, you, you see those names go and do a bit more keyword research. See what, see what's around, around those terms. And that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's going to give you all the ideas you need. Uh, next question, Randy
0: green. Uh, says, for B to C, high-ticket products we sell, there is very little LTV of customer acquisition. Just curious, since the two of you have seen many stores, is LTV a metric commonly chased after with high-ticket dropshipping? Um, the reference he gave us was his, not his dropshipping store, his other business, which is uh, actually building out... Um, wine cellars for for clients in the real world not on the not on the metaverse internet that we all live on uh, in the real world he, he builds this so um i think there's a few different ways we can answer this john but i mean first and foremost he's asking is ltv a metric commonly chased after with high ticket drop shipping the answer is absolutely right there's three ways to grow your business get more customers uh get your customers to buy more from you um or increase lifetime customer value right uh I think I actually just screwed that up, John, if you want to clarify the three ways to grow your
1: business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, there's uh, three ways to grow any business, which was actually which is very uh, made very popularized by Jay Abrahams actually. Um, but uh, yeah, you acquire more first-time customers, right, which you do by getting more traffic or increasing your conversion rate, for example, and then AO. you increase you increase your average order value. <laughs> so sell more, sell more at the same time or increase your prices, and then thirdly, you increase your rate of repeat purchases. Um, you know, So people coming back and buying from you a second and a third time. So you can do any one of those by itself and your business grows in a linear fashion. So you can always chase more and more first time customers, but of course, that's not an infinite pool of people. Any market has a cap there. So if that's your only strategy, then you're gonna hit a hard ceiling at some point, which is why, also doing the other two at the same time is very important now most high ticket dropshippers are focused on the first one which is getting more first-time customers and they don't think past this and i'm going to say that while me and ben would say ltv and generating repeat purchases is definitely something we focus on if you ask is ltv a metric commonly chased after with high ticket dropshipping i would say absolutely not and the reason for that is is that all of the other people in this space who teach high-ticket dropshipping do not ever talk about this, right? Now, everybody who's listening to this may have been through another high-ticket dropshipping program. Generate recurring revenue is not a focus of that. It's not even part of the, the niche selection that they take you through. Now, if you go through dropship breakthrough, one of our criteria absolutely is when we're even selecting our market in the first place, can you see a pathway for repeat business? And if you can't, that's actually a cross that goes against your market idea, right? So I'm very big on this. Like it's finding ways to do this. I mean, it can be a challenge with some high-ticket products for sure. Some can be harder than others, but it's absolutely a must. Your, Your existing customers are the easiest people on this planet to sell to, right? Significantly easier than constantly trying to acquire new customers. And of course, there's not a much lower cost per acquisition on the second and third sales, So your profits higher. So high ticket businesses that can do it or have found a way to do it and have a plan to do it are in a much healthier position than those that can't. So, yeah, I mean, you know, definitely it should be part of your, your overall growth strategy for your business is to identify ways that you can, uh, generate a second, third, or whatever sale or however many sales you can from your first-time customers. Um, uh, you know, because if you're just focused, I mean, the other problem is if you're just focused on the first way to grow, if you're constantly chasing new customers, you're also in a much more competitive space. And it's 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 much easier to lose out if that's your only, um, or, or to lose lose ground on your competition and things like that if that's all you do. Right. So I think there's yeah. an
0: opportunity to maybe open some eyes to like, I think when a lot of people think LTV or recurring, they think, okay, great. I sold them a pellet grill. Now what I try to sell them a second pellet grill or like, And then even from there, maybe your mind's moving to, okay, yeah, they need pellets, right? Maybe I'll try to resell them pellets over and over. That's great. That is one way that you can do this. I think there's a lot of other ways that you can monetize your audience much further beyond even the products you sell. Like they're obviously interested in the product you sell, but they're probably interested in, in other things related to what you sell as well. And there is an unlimited amount of brands who would be happ- happy to give you a commission if you were to refer them over to their brand. Uh, and so we talked a little bit about this, I think on a previous episode mm-hmm. about what John Murphy was doing. Um, but I think, you know, certainly if you're building wine cellars for, for folks, there is an, um, definitely an unlimited amount of wine offers out there. I simply searched uh, wine affiliate offers uh, and, and it came up one more cup of coffee slash best wine affiliate program. So there's a uh, Splash Wines, uh there's etching expressions uh to get wine bottles etched um this is a a lot of ads on one page so this is hard for me to scroll uh but there is you know vine box iwa wine drinks home wet bar wine basket wine dom box saratoga wine exchange wine.com um i would assume there is a lot of other things people buy when you build them out a a wine cellar that has to do with wine that you can happily you know, refer them to other businesses who sell these things, uh, you know, carefully craft some emails, talking about them, tell a story about the products, uh, and utilize that list of people you have, uh, to sell them other products. Uh, I, I like when it comes to high ticket dropshipping, the idea of moving to digital content. Why do I like digital content? Because when you take that order for, hundred dollars and you put it into your spreadsheet, there's no cost of goods behind there. And so you made a hundred dollars. This is why I love digital products. And so I would challenge you to ask yourself, what digital products can I sell uh, based on the products that I carry? So, you know, if we look at Joey, Joey volunteered his website for us. Um, He sells fitness equipment there's absolute abundance of, uh, digital fitness programs that, that you could create uh, around your products. Uh, you could partner with somebody who's already created all of this and sell these digital products, uh, after someone has purchased, uh, you know, a stair climber from you or, or whatever they're buying from you. And so I would challenge you to start thinking through what is some digital content you can sell? What are some affiliate offers? What are some other brands that you can partner with, uh, to, you know, continue serving your customer long after they've bought the big product from you. Uh, that's, that's a little more outside of the box than just, you know, again, pellets for your pellet grill or, or filament for your 3d printer.
1: Yeah, totally. And, and look, I mean, there's digital content out there that you can purchase the rights to distribute as well. I mean, it's not, not even always like you have to necessarily create it from scratch if that's not your, your thing um you know or you could be selling like ben says you could joint venture with somebody else who creates content in your space um that has has a great offer so um you know yeah there's tons of opportunities there the other thing i'd say as well is um you know when you come to i mean this this presents as more of a problem or or something that's more difficult to think about when in the first place with your business you, you started with the product first Right? So when you were deciding what you were going to base your business around, if you took the traditional high-ticket dropshipping approach of saying, well, wow, I've just got to find a product. right? And so you said, well, my niche is just this one product. And that's what I'm focused on. And it's a high-ticket product. Well, if you're talking about increasing your LTV by selling other products, then that's difficult. Whereas if like, like me and Ben talk about, if you started with the customer is, my, is the central to what I'm doing, right? then it makes it a bit easier because you're thinking about what is my customer interested in and your customer's not just interested in one product, right? Your customer's going to have an interest that can be served in a number of different ways. And so I think if you take that focus as well, it certainly makes the idea of that, that, that LTV piece a lot or, or having recurring uh, purchases a lot easier. So every time I've done my own, market selection where I've thought about the customer first I end up selling a range of different product types all right so I'm not just focused on one type of product so I could sell them this thing then that thing and then that thing because they're all based around interests that that person has um, and when, I think when you start there in the first place and you make everything you do about your your you know your ideal customer and what they need then you tend to have more options when it comes to generating, you know, recurring revenue from them in in different ways, Uh, whether it's through products, digital products, affiliate offers, whatever it may be, yeah.
0: Look, you can even go as simple as creating a Facebook group for which you charge $9 a month. For your customers to be a part of and get them in there they're going to do all the content marketing for you they're just going to talk to each other about wine uh and then you can just add recurring revenue on that way like this doesn't have to be hard uh and i think you really nailed something here john no one's talking about this in the high ticket drop shipping room no one right they're all talking about how can i get more customers how can i run ads better how can i do seo whatever it is to get more customers maybe uh maybe you have an opportunity to go beyond that and start thinking about how you can increase your average order value, right? Doing, you know, card upsells or, or frequently bought together, but you're, you're right. I haven't heard anyone talk about it. In fact, it's something I've worked on in in businesses I've been a part of, but I've never talked about it either. And so maybe this Mm -hmm. is our sign to, to get something deeper in the course, um, to help people lean on that. Right. It's, it's one of the core pillars of growing your business. And, um, you're right. It's not something I've personally talked about either.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think we, we, we touched on it in a number of areas in the program at this point, but I think there are some, some of the things we've just mentioned we certainly uh, don't go particularly deep on. And so, yeah, I think there definitely is an opportunity there for us to do something um, a bit more in-depth with some examples and, and things like that to help people do this. But you're right. I mean, it's absolutely... You, you do need to nail the first-time customer's piece, but if you can do all three of those things at once, then... The growth rate of your business is exponential, right? You, you have a a curve, a growth curve that gets steeper and steeper rather than that sort of linear, slower growth. So yeah, it's um, for people who are looking to, you know, grow a, a big business or or a fast growing business, then you can't just rely on getting more first-time customers. Certainly not if you're if you're if you've been in your market for any period of time, like you're getting closer to the point where you're hitting the cap on that like you're only going to get x X number of new customers without increasing your product range you're only going to get x percent of new customers every month like there is only x number in your market at any one point in time it's not unlimited right so there's a point where that slows where that growth slows and you're gonna you know that's 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 like that's like a plateau at some point now for, for a lot of people who are listening to this that may still be some way off in the future so you still want to keep having that piece moving along quite nicely, but um, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be looking at ways that you can um, encourage that repeat business. Because the other thing it does as well is, you know, as I said, the cost per acquisition is significantly lower on your second and third sale. There's no ad cost there, right? You're generally doing that via email, maybe SMS marketing, which is like you're making sales for literally cents, right? Um, that gives you more money to spend on your new customer acquisition right so you can afford to spend more to get a new customer than maybe your competition can if you've got more repeat business Um, so that can help you to win win with the first-time customers as well well i like some of the out of the box stuff we talked about we
0: might have to find a way to show a real live example of that sometime in the future Mm. Um, good idea yeah that stuff gets me giddy for sure Uh, plus recurring revenue man that's the the bee's knees when it's just rolling in. Uh, All right, so number four, question number four is a return from Joey. Joey says, when figuring out the pillar page for cluster content as an e-comm store, are you more likely to make that a collection page, i.e. product type for sale, or an ultimate guide type of piece of content, or something else that I haven't mentioned? Now, John, I believe you asked me to make a video uh, for Dropship Breakthrough on cluster content.
1: Do we have anything in there currently in Dropship Breakthrough that answers this question at all? Uh, not, not in any depth, no. Um, there was something in the past uh, in a previous version of the program, um, but it's not in... Not in the current version. Uh so yeah, I mean this this is something that Ben is going to put together a series of videos on. It is not going to be just one video. One two-minute um, video, that's it. Sure. <laughs> that will be going into that program. So for people who are listening that that uh, are, are are in there, um, you'll definitely get that in the not too distant future. Um but yeah, I mean, you should probably, I mean it's You can answer that question now if you like, Ben. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Uh, look, I'm gonna try to stay a little bit high level here, Joe, so hopefully that's okay. Um, To answer your question, are you more likely to make that a collection page or an ultimate guide or something else? The answer to all three of those is yes. Uh, So for me, it comes down to the keyword you're trying to target, right? So the idea of a pillar page is that you're not gonna take a super long tail keyword and make a pillar page on it because you don't need to. So the idea of a pillar is it's, a, a keyword that has a ton of search volume that a lot of people are going after, and it's going to be difficult to rank for. And so you need to build this pillar page with all the supporting content around it to provide all of this relevance. So Google marks you as the subject matter expert. You also have the ability to go get links to all that supporting content and your main page, and point that all back to your main page so that you have an opportunity to rank your main pillar page. So. You, it can be a collection page can be an ultimate guide. It can be something else completely, but your goal is to target the right keywords here. And so collection pages are naturally pillar pages because they already have a cluster built around them in the products. If you go search any brand that you carry in Google and look at your keywords everywhere, Chrome extension on the right-hand side, you're going to get all of the, your, the, the products underneath that brand are going to be supporting keywords already. And so your collection page absolutely yes, needs to be that. And you can support that via cluster content, which is like brand frequently asked questions, brand versus brand, product versus product. Uh, all of your product pages should have, you know a breadcrumb or something mentioning the brand there that's going back to the to the collection page as well. And so these are kind of already built out for you to expand upon them and make one giant cluster. Uh, If you were to build an ultimate guide piece of content, Brian and I built this for uh, standing desk benefits. Um, That was a very highly searched keyword, which was followed with the different types of benefits. So standing desk back pain, standing desk uh, weight loss. Uh, You can probably find this Joey with a lot of your products in the fitness industry is, is going to be, you know, the generic keyword, the ultimate guide to the generic uh, keyword you're targeting there. Um, and then all of your supporting content are going to be like, you know, uh, we'll use stair climber, right? So the ultimate guide to stair climbers. And then underneath that is going to be like stair climbers for weight loss. Actually, I, I think I pulled this up now that I mentioned this. I did. Uh, look at this. Uh, Is stair climber good cardio? Is stair climber better than a treadmill? Can you do stair climber when pregnant? Can you do the stair climber every day? Like, so if you just answer all of these questions uh, and then some of these are gonna be worthy of having their own page associated with them, um so you know have a section on the pillar page where it answers them and your ultimate guide and then say if you'd like to learn more click over to here where you've actually built the page on there don't run the same headline on your pillar page that you do as the title of Hmm. the the cluster content make something similar uh but yeah simply all i did was go to answer the public and put in stair climber uh to have this example ready for this question and uh that you know, that's just one example of how you could do that. And then something completely different than you mentioned, I'm actually at a blank for it, but I'm sure if you give me enough time, I can think of something that isn't a collection page and isn't an ultimate guide that would serve as a pillar page. Maybe John has an idea here.
1: Hey, John here with a quick break from the episode. Dropshipping and running a business in general can be a pretty lonely experience, as in you're probably unlikely to know many people in your private life who are dropshipping, who are running an e-commerce business or even an online business. It can be a lonely journey. And it can be a much more successful journey if you have some sort of connection to a community of people who are doing the same thing as you. If you have a space where you can ask questions, where you can get support. And even if you haven't started a high-ticket dropshipping business yet, somewhere you can go and see other people who are doing what you're doing and, and, and kind of hang out and get a feel for how things work. Well, the good news is that you can do just that. Ben and I have a free Facebook group called the Dropship Tribe, where you can join for free uh, and hang out with other high-ticket dropshippers. It doesn't matter if you haven't started a business yet, you can still get in there. And what makes it even better is in that group, you have some access to Ben and I. So we're in there all the time answering people's questions, sharing things that we're working on, things that we're doing at the moment in the high-ticket dropshipping space. And so not only will you get to hang out with other people who are doing high-ticket dropshipping or are interested in high-ticket dropshipping, you also get to hang out with... Ben and I, in that Facebook group. And so it can be a really good opportunity, not just for you to get help or uh, share your ideas, ask questions, whatever, but even if you just want to get an idea about whether high-ticket dropshipping is the right thing for you to be doing, I mean, you've probably heard about it, you've listened to me and Ben talk about it, you might've watched our videos, uh, but if you want to get an even closer look, jump into the Dropship Tribe on Facebook and spend a bit of time there, see what people have been talking about, see all the questions and answers that are in there, uh, it's been there for years now, so there's quite a bit of information in there. Get a feel for it, join the community, and use it to really help you work out where your dropship uh, journey should be heading. So once again, go onto Facebook. You can just go into the Facebook search bar and search The Dropship Tribe. You'll also find a link in the show notes and uh, hit head in there and join that group. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean an ultimate guide type piece of content. I mean, that's obviously a good one, but I think, you know, it's either going to be a collection page or a piece of, or or a piece of content, like a, like a page, a blog, whether that's a blog post or a page. I mean, it's whether whether it's titled as an ultimate guide or something. I mean, I I don't think it really matters. I think you're, you're a pillar piece of content for me is just going to be whatever your deepest piece of content is that fits, you know, the, the, top level search term for, you know, in a, in a particular group of keywords. Yeah. I've so, seen it be best, yeah, I mean, right? Best yeah, it generic could be, keyword could be your
0: main uh, pillar page. Yeah.
1: I mean, but yeah, it could be best something or it could be, but the, the piece of content itself. Yeah. I mean, could be like, it could be like a listicle or something like that, you know, like it could be a, you know, here's the top 10 ways that you do this thing or the top 10 things for this thing. Like it could be that, Um, you know, you just kind of have to look at the, whatever the search term is, as, as you said, I mean, it comes back to the keyword. What's the best way to answer that keyword? Now, if it's, if it's like a, a product type kind of keyword, like you say, like Stairmasters or something to do with that, then it probably is going to be an ultimate guide. But if you were getting into the space where you were talking about um, things that people do with your products, you know, you know, you might, it might, it might be a different type, type of content. Like I say, it might be a listicle or a how to, or something like that. I mean, it it could be, like I say, it could be different things. I don't, I don't think for me, it's not usually going to be a collection page though. Whatever it is, whatever, whatever angle you take with it.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't use content to build out a collection page, but the collection pages are already like, they're ready for you, right? Like the brand name themselves, brand name plus, product type it should be the name of your collection page that's already ready for you to be so just build out content on that page feature three four products from the brand uh that page is going to rank well as a pillar page um again falling back like i I don't want to tell you build a listicle build uh ultimate guide build any of that stuff it doesn't matter to me you should do your research and find the keyword you want to target if it has a ton of search volume and it's going to be hard to rank Great, that's your winner. Now go to Google, search that keyword, look at the top 10 results. What is Google serving for there? Is it a listicle? Is it an ultimate guide? Is it something else? Build that. D- just give Google what it wants, give your customer what they want, and uh, I think you're gonna win here.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and don't let that that sort of question like sort of trip you up either. It's one of those things where you could probably go around in circles in your brain about it um, and uh, not get anything done. Like, you know, should it should be an ultimate guide, should it be a this, should it be a that? At the end of the day if it's a good piece of content it's high quality it's not you know it's not going to matter so much just get in and do it is essentially what i'm saying just do it just do it man well you defer
0: to me on a question i'm going to defer to you on the uh, our next question from alexander vo uh one of our old brands we had to discontinue came back to us and gave us the green light to do commercial sales only and no google ads What ways do you like to target B2B opportunities? Any nuances? We sell the businesses already, but not specifically. Um, I think this is actually a fairly hard question, John. and I'm curious your answer here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, look. um, Well, I guess, you know, the the first question, the first thing you have to answer is, do you even want to do that? Like in the first place? Um, You know, B2B selling can be great. Uh, it can be a lot of work, uh, or it can be more work than your usual sort of B two C sales, um, because B two B in in a lot of um, industries it's very relationship based, right? So you if you're going to go into B two B, yeah, there's going to be some B two B's uh, customers in there who are looking for somebody new to buy their products from, but a lot of them already have existing relationships in place, and you're kind of looking to break that up a little bit if you want to do it at any sort of volume, and so that's you know. It's, it's a more hands-on from the perspective that, you know, as, as you say, you can't just run ads and, and expect to get a lot of B2B sales. There's there's outreach involved, right? Generally speaking, like, so companies that do a lot of B2B sales are a very B2B focused. They have salespeople. They have sales reps who go out to businesses and like proactively meet with them and sell their stuff, right? That's because it's relationship-based a lot of the time and in a lot of markets. Now, that might be changing a little bit over time as, you know, online selling becomes more and more popular. But, you know, um, in in this respect, uh, businesses are a lot behind customers in that they're in a lot of industries. It's still very much focused on face-to-face stuff, not online. So if you really want to go into it, um, I would suggest that um, obviously in, in the digital space, LinkedIn provides your best opportunity to do this, right? Still, LinkedIn's fantastic. You know, a lot of people are still um, are saying at the moment as far as I don't really call it a social platform, but it is go LinkedIn has the best organic reach. Um, it's got a, gra- a pretty good advertising system um, and you can get super targeted on who you're getting in front of there. Like you can search people down to their, their business, their job role, the type of industry they're in, all this sort of stuff, right? So that, it's actually a pretty cool platform. Um, it's one I used. Um, actually, I used it with my 1st high eye-ticket dropshipping business, which was in the homeware space, to uh, reach out to interior designers and architects. It's super easy to identify those people on LinkedIn. Um, and I was just doing, I actually hired somebody to do this for me, uh, just doing like manual outreach, building connections, sending people messages, introducing to me to their, our business to them, um and saying look if you're if you're interested in products in this space get on in uh send us a message we're happy to jump on the phone and have a chat we've got like a a commercial program you know where you can get discounts and blah blah all this sort of stuff um and you know and and that resulted in sales for sure um and i think i still have a linkedin profile that has like you know 3000 connections in that industry on it which obviously i have no use for at the moment because i really dislike homewares um, but uh <laughs> and i'm not selling any of that stuff at the moment maybe i should go back and start selling it again i don't know um but look i mean that's that that if i was if i was gonna have to jump into a b2b space uh that would be certainly one of my first ports of call is linkedin set up a profile there you set up a company page you can run ads there like i say like pay-per-click ads uh, on that platform um, but you also start reaching out to people. And there is a system to do that. You used to be able to do it with like um, tools like Chrome extensions that would automate the uh, the outreach and connection building process for you. Now, LinkedIn hates those. Um, and I understand that they've shut down a lot of that sort of activity. So I'm not sure I know what the current most up-to-date best practice is because I haven't done it for, probably about 18 months to two years now. Um, but, you know, it is something that you can get a VA to do for you, right? A lot of it, just the, the sort of manual stuff. You can post content on LinkedIn. They have great organic reach. So if you post content on LinkedIn, people do actually see it, uh, unlike Facebook. Um, you can repost content that you've posted on your own site. So if you're doing content on your site, you can take that and post that to LinkedIn um, to do organic sort of outreach with businesses there you know um, so that's 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 one option other options out there you could hire a phone sales company to do phone outreach to businesses for you you know you just pay them they're getting on the phone they're cold, cold, cold calling businesses and it's just the numbers game right they're you know trying to build reach out find people who are in, who are looking to buy stuff you sell you know it's traditional um and you know i can't say i know what the roi and that's going to be for you but this is how a lot of b2b businesses do it um so yeah that that, those are probably the idea that's but linkedin is the main idea i mean if we're going to talk about from a digital marketing perspective there's not really any other platform that's going to get you as close to businesses as that is like because that's its purpose (laughs) it's for businesses to connect or business people to connect with business people that's it serves no other purpose. So, um, I think you would be, you know, silly not to be there. So I'll throw a little more on here. Um, first
0: off your question says they came back to us and gave us the green light to do commercial sales only and no Google ads. What happens if you sell to Joe bag of donuts? Are they going to say, we can't fulfill that order. Send them directly to us, cancel the order. Like they're going to, they're going to fulfill it. Right. Like I would assume so. Uh, so find that out first. So you can answer another question. I have a little later here. Number two, if you're only selling to business to business, and let's just use the stair climber for an example. Um, there's certain types of questions, Joe bag of donuts and Sally bag of donuts are asking when they want to buy a stair climber for their home versus the questions. A gym owner is, is asking on whether he should have a stair climber in his gym. Uh, and so you can go just create the content they're looking for. Uh, That way you're attracting those customers. I would take that same content and go post it on LinkedIn, uh, like John mentioned. Uh, But furthermore, the last question I would ask you is like, what is the most valuable thing that we all have? And it's time. And so is this worth your time Mm. just because they came back to you? doesn't mean you need to spend your time trying to figure out a B2B strategy and hiring a sales team and posting on LinkedIn and learning how to run LinkedIn ads uh, just to make a couple sales. Is the opportunity worth it Uh, or can your time be better spent elsewhere finding other brands that actually make sense and serving the customer you already have?
1: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I I mentioned that first, is this something you want to do? Like don't take it lightly Um, because you're right. You, You, I feel, and I'm happy, I'm happy for one of our listeners who's got some experience in the B2B space more recently to tell me I'm wrong, but, if anybody out there is nailing b2b at the moment let us know in the facebook group by all means i'd love to hear about it um but it, there's there's real work involved here to make if you want to do it at any volume and it just might not be something you're really interested in like is it worth it uh and the other thing to mention as well you've got to have a think about what you're offering businesses like you can't just go out to businesses and say hey you want to buy from us at our regular retail prices that's not what they're expecting. And if they're buying from other big wholesalers, they're not paying retail prices. So if you just go to them and say, oh, you can buy this office for the same price as Joe Bag of Donuts, you're not going to get much traction. You've got to be able to give them a trade price, right? That There is an expectation in pretty much any industry I've been in that commercial orders attract a different price to retail orders. So what price are you getting from the supplier in the first place? Can you even do that? Right? I mean, if they're not... You know, are they giving you any volume discounting or something like that? Because once again, when I've done B2B, um, I've worked out volume discounting that I can then offer to those people. So when I was selling things like chandeliers and somebody came in who's fitting out a big concert hall and they want 10 chandeliers, they're getting a big discount because they're ordering 10 and I'm getting a discount off my supply because I'm buying 10. I'm not paying my supply the same price that I would if I was selling one of them. And I've, I worked that out with the supplier, right? And so I would have, when I was doing that, I had a specific offer and I had a series of things. If you buy five products, you get this discount. If you buy 10, you get this discount. If you come back for your second order, your third order, you get a different discount. That was all worked out. I had that all worked out before I went out to any businesses because the 1st that's the first thing I want to point them to. If they say, yep, look, happy to put you on our list of of vendors because a lot of businesses will have a pre-approved list that their staff can go and order from particularly big businesses you want to get on one of those lists you got to be able to give them something right it can't just all be sort of up in the ether like oh well we might do this or we might do that right businesses like people who are serious and they have a serious business you know they, they don't have time for shit right they want a straight answer, a short answer, a quick answer when they want something. So if you can't provide that and if you can't provide clarity around what you're offering them, then you're not going to get any traction with real players in your industry. Um, and so for a lot of high-ticket dropshipping businesses, this is a tough one because your suppliers are giving you, may not be giving you a good enough deal for you to um, offer some something like that and still make it worth your while from a profit perspective. And so that goes back to Ben's, Ben's, Ben and mine's first question. Is this even something that it's worth doing for you? You know, if if your supplier is saying, yeah, you can do commercial orders and we're giving you a 15% margin, like that's, you know, for retail sales for those products, then it's not good. It's not going to work. I don't I'd say think. volume
0: is the enticing part there, right? I've worked with yeah, a couple of different is. businesses where a school would order or a big business would order. And like, uh, you know, Brian and I would get orders... 100 desks, um, 3D printers. I would sell seven, mm-hmm. eight, nine of them in a bundle, right? I, I think I once had a thirty thousand dollar order from a, a school. Um, and so if there's a volume opportunity here and you've worked with your supplier and said, Hey, when I sell three plus five plus seven plus, here's the extra discounts we're going to get, or they're willing to work with you on an order by order basis, as you get an opportunity to have these bids, then maybe it is worth your time. Maybe it is worth your time to not necessarily run ads, but have those products up on your site, uh, with verbiage speaking directly to B2B people of like, we, we do volume discounts. We'd love to bid on your project, uh, uh, I can't remember exactly how we worded it, on uh, one of my websites, but like click here, uh, if you would like us to put out a, a formal bid with an invoice or something like that, exactly what they're looking for. Um, and maybe that's all you need to do here and, and, and try to get in front of them, but I would really look at whether it's worth your time. And, um, certainly I, I know where you're at and you in your stage of, of business, Alex, and uh, there's probably my guess is there's probably other opportunities that, uh, have bigger upside here. That's it, John. That is all the questions we got. Um, I want to come back and do this weekly. And so it, we're going to need you guys to, to, to ask a lot of questions here in the Facebook group so that we have some things to talk about, uh, some things John and I can riff on, uh, some sites that we can tear down, some questions we can answer, whatever whatever you guys want, we're, we're going to give you. And so uh, the more questions you can offer us, the better.
1: Yeah, awesome. But those are good questions. And uh, thank you to everybody who put them out there.
0: And uh, yeah, so hopefully we'll be back. Uh, The free one's coming soon. If you guys want to jam out on that, we would definitely appreciate some subscribes and some reviews. Uh, We are also uh, running ads now uh, with a company called Sawtooth, and they're looking for some testimonials. So uh, John told me not to mention this unless I had something to offer in return, Uh, but I'm going to do it anyway. So if any one of you who are part of Dropship Breakthrough would love to do some sort of testimonial video, uh, I don't know what it will be, but I'm sure John and I can make it worth your your while. Uh, Make sure you know that we appreciate you uh they're they're going to be running these as ads so uh if you if you're going to do this uh turn your phone sideways uh so you're in landscape mode uh and and you know, record away uh a testimonial would go a long way uh to helping us grow this business and and again john and i'll probably make it worth your while um he's smiling so i guess that's not probably,
1: probably. maybe we'll just leave it as a mystery surprise <laughs> there you go mystery surprise ben um, and john mystery surprise now we, we absolutely will um and uh for us to grow the audience um you know this is this is a, an important thing for us to be able to do so we'd appreciate yeah. any help from you guys that we can get and for all you course members um
0: i just made some new content i don't know if john got it in the course yet uh, that'll be in Happy there soon touch, uh john has a, a list of things that also need to be added to that uh, hopefully we have more students coming soon we're we're brainstorming out uh, a mastermind uh whole a whole lot of stuff coming, and, and I couldn't be more excited. So, thank to you, all of all of you who are listeners, and all of you who are course members. Uh, uh, a lot of content coming your way.
1: Awesome. Google. Look forward to it. All
0: right. See you next time. See ya.